the D-backs sweep the Dodgers in LA and they head back to AZ with a 2-0 lead. We are joined by Sully Baseball for our instant reaction. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Locked On Diamondbacks and Locked On MLB listeners, look who's here. It's Miller Thomas. I'm your pal, Sully. Uh, we're doing a quick, impromptu Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover, at least uh, for this segment. Uh, the game just ended, like mm-hmm. like five minutes ago. And I think it's incredible that in nine innings, the Dodgers somehow stranded 50 runners. I don't know how that's possible. I may have to check it. I may have that maybe that may be wrong, but boy, it seemed like it. And for you know, the Diamondbacks jumped out to a three nothing lead after mm-hmm. the, the the massacre the other day, and the Dodgers were given chance after chance after chance, and yet here we are. It's two nothing Diamondbacks going back to Arizona, and nothing is going the Dodgers' way. Miller Thomas, what the heck is going on here? Sully, I don't even know how to articulate how I'm feeling, what I'm seeing on the field. I haven't seen the D-backs lose a postseason game yet. We're four games in. We're This is the D-backs' second series. They swept the Milwaukee Brewers. They were the comeback kids in that series because they let the Brewers get up early every game in that series. Then they came back, swept that team. Now they face this L.A. Dodgers team and... So far through two games, they're the team going up early. They're the team attacking first against L.A. And I said entering the season, or excuse me, this series, that this Dodgers team was a little bit more vulnerable than years past. I wasn't picking the D-backs or anything to win this series. I still thought Dodgers in four, but I thought there was a better chance for the D-backs to make this a series and potentially take it better than what we've seen in the past because this Dodgers rotation as we've seen, it's just not as good as it's been, uh, you know, from the past few playoffs. Clay and Kershaw, he's a little bit older. We know his playoff struggles. And then after that, because you don't got the Gonsolins, the Julio Ariases, the Walker Buehlers, it's like you had to throw out Bobby Miller for game two. Might be Lance Lynn or like a Ryan Pepio cocktail in game three. Like the D-backs advantage in this series is their starting rotation. And then you throw in the fact that their offense is also what? the best in the postseason right now, lead the oh, yeah. playoffs and home runs. Like this was a team that didn't hit power in the regular season. Now all of a sudden they've turned into like a home run derby team. It's been insane. I really don't know how to explain the D backs heading back to Arizona up to nothing on the Dodgers. And you're going to have Merrill Kelly at the very least in game four. Yeah. I, I didn't give the Diamondbacks a chance at this one. Especially I thought game one, everything was lined up the Dodger way on that one. And as I mentioned yesterday's uh, podcast, uh, they got one out from Clayton Kershaw. That's yeah, that's that's not good. That is not. Yeah, maybe good. the worst out of his career, right? Like when you look at his playoffs and even the regular season. Like I'm trying to think a of start? a. I'm trying to think of a pitcher of that caliber who's had a worse start in a postseason mm-hmm. game. I mean, Pedro had a couple of bad starts, especially his final start when he pitched for Philadelphia. Um, Greg Maddox had a couple of bad starts. I remember with um, Atlanta. Um, Randy Johnson had a couple of bad starts in his career, but I'm talking about someone who's a Hall of Famer 
who wet the bed like that me. badly. I'm really Clements had a couple of bad starts. Schilling had one or two bad starts, but that was when Schilling's. But none of them like leaving in the first. Yeah, and you combine it with the fact that Merrill Kelly on the other side, 0 for 11 in his career, has never won a game against the Dodgers before game one. But you wouldn't have known that with the way he pitched because he was completely locked in and, and shut down that Dodgers lineup. And it's been great for this D-backs offense to really get to this Dodgers bullpen early. Now, that's not as big of a fact with, I didn't know how many rest days are going to be built into this series. Honestly, it's like every, it's, it's like, it's, it's a lot of ridiculous. Days. It's insane. So it's like. Getting to the Dodgers starters early is not as important as it might have been in the regular season because they're right. getting so much rest days. But you still like to see that, you know, so far through two games, the Dodgers starters have combined for two total innings pitch. I think that's been the biggest difference in the series. We knew the Dodgers bullpen was going to be elite. We've seen that. But also the other part is this D-backs pitching staff, their bullpen has heated up. They've matched the Brewers' bullpen. They've matched the Dodgers' bullpen. This team was middle of the pack, you know, the 18th best bullpen in terms of ERA in the regular season. And that's only because that final month of the season, this team had a sub-three ERA from the bullpen in that final month, and it's carried into the postseason. Ryan Thompson got picked up off waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays in August. He has, uh, he has yet to allow an earned run. Sal Frank, we saw tonight, was able to help the D-backs get out of a jam. Those two guys have been, have been big revelations. Combined with the Kevin Ginkle and the Paul Seawald, the D-backs have at least Four dudes that they feel really good about in the back end of the bullpen right now. Well, and, you know, take it, just think back to when the Brewers took that lead in game one. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, oh boy, Millard, you <laughs> yeah. know, happy, happy to be here. Well, <laughs> yeah. hey, who would have thought they would have gotten in? I mean, hey, come on, they gave you a summer. The scrappy um, D backs, right? That's what if they If you were had told time. me at that moment, they would be one win, they have to go one and two including two games at home. I think the Dodgers just start Pepio, but that's, that's, uh, that's another conversation. Um, I would have thought you'd be insane at that point. By the way, uh, Carroll is everything you would want him to be. His <laughs> yeah. postseason average is 500. Yeah, okay? he's been absolutely insane. I mean, he's been locked in at the plate. I mean, all he does is just get on base every single yeah, game. Yeah, he got on base four times tonight. Yeah, and it wasn't even like a good like it was a quiet Corbin Carroll game. Like I felt like right. he, he didn't even have to do much tonight. Like you said, still four times on base. Uh, all he does is get hits. All he does is steal bases. Like he's incredible. Do you want to suppose he's in OPS is right now? Tell me, slowly. One point six three two. And listen, he's going against MVPs on the other side. Yeah. The and and by the way, uh, the player of the game for uh, the D backs tonight is probably Guriel. With yeah. um, not just the home run that he hit, but that weird play in the ninth <laughs> inning where he made that fly ball in the ninth inning a little bit more of an adventure than it probably should have been. Yeah. But in the end, right. it just it just just isn't out, just isn't out. But you know, he got he drove in a pair of runs tonight, um, and that was just. And you know, Marte has had a wonderful postseason so far. Fam has had a terrific postseason so far. Moreno, the catcher, has mm-hmm. you know his OPS is over nine hundred in the postseason so far. They've been just yeah. getting contributions up and down the lineup, and you know you're going to have Zach Gallon. Worst case scenario, he's going to pitch another game. Yeah, and no. I, I I don't. I mean, look at the D-backs are in great shape. Mm-hmm. I think I'm willing to say that. But there, I've seen teams fall 2-0 in worse shape and come back. And game three, 
if I were the Dodgers, I'm starting Pepio because he's pitched the best on the stretch. He's pitched well. Lance Lynn has been there, done that. He's had a couple of good games for the Dodgers, but also some lousy games too. I would hand the ball to Pepio in game three. If there's a game four, you hand it to Lance Lynn. Or you could hand it to Clayton Kershaw because he wasn't overworked in game one. No. And also, I think they're going to be on normal rest by the time mm-hmm. game four rolls around. So I think we are going to see Kershaw versus Kelly and then Gallon versus whoever in that game uh, of five, if necessary, of course. Necessary. Because, uh, well, that means game three is just critical. I mean, they can't yeah, I think game three is just going to come down to the offense, honestly. I think game three is just going to be potentially your classic slugfest. I mean, you're going to have Brandon Fott on the mound. We know he loves to get – it's going, it could be a home run battle between Fott and Lance Lynn, who gives up more. But I think Ryan Pepio will probably be in as early as the second inning. I think Lance Lynn is going to have one of the quickest hooks um, in postseason history. Like, I don't think Dave Roberts – I think well, it'll be like – the No, they're not going to have a quicker hook than they had on Kershaw in game one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or one Kershaw in game inning. one. Miller game two, like Dave Roberts is not playing around. And with the bullpen that he has, like you can see why, like Brazier, Gratterall, uh, even Joe Kelly was solid. Like that bullpen was pretty nasty and really carried the Dodgers tonight. And you, hey, you see how much they've had to do the, through the first two games. Yeah. By the way, the Dodgers bullpen did their job tonight. Yeah. I mean, they the D-backs scored three in the first, and then they let up the, the solo shot to Gurriel in the, what was it, the sixth or seventh inning. Mm-hmm. And that was it for the run scoring. The Dodgers actually let me, let me go to MLB.com. I made the joke. I mean, they left seven runners on base. Yeah. Okay. I, it's actually not as many as I thought because it just. I guess it's because it they like also more. they grounded into two, two key double plays: the Freeman yeah. double play and the Taylor double play were just absolute. You know, they momentum uh, killers in this game. Yeah. I mean, Colton Wan twice left runners in scoring position with two outs. You yeah, know? yeah. What bases loaded with one out two? Or yeah, I mean, all those times they were one for six with with runners in scoring position. Yeah, that's you not, had your opportunity, and you had players like Freddie Freeman, you know, at at the plate to potentially come through and and. Just the top of the lineup right now for the Dodgers, like they haven't woken up yet. Like has Betts, I mean, I'm checking the stats right now. He hasn't gotten a hit yet this postseason. And we know Betts is like an all-time postseason performer. We've no way he's done with the Dodgers and the and the Red Sox, but he's yet to wake up in the series and we'll see if he could do that back in Arizona, hopefully. And 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 that is that is one thing that if you are a Diamondback fan, don't get too cocky mm-hmm. because you know it could turn into a slug fest. Betts has a his average right now is zero zero zero. His OPS is one twenty five. You know Freeman's average is one sixty seven. His OPS is under six. So if those two players wake the heck up and spark the offense and turn into a slugfest, then you could be seeing the the you know you, you've got to if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you've got to be eyeing to sweep the series because yeah. you don't want this to go deeper. No, I don't want this. Uh, I could see the D-backs win this in game four because of that slugfest potential, but I will be scared that if it does turn into a slugfest in game three, maybe that wakes up the bats of the Dodgers for the rest of the series. If Mookie Betts all of a sudden sees a couple of those Brandon Fott fastballs sit in the middle of the zone, does that wake him up for the rest of the series? Does that wake up a Freddie Freeman for the best uh, for the rest of the series? Because those guys love playing in Chase Field. A guy like Will Smith absolutely has crushed the D-backs throughout his career. So I'm going to be really keyed in uh, on those guys. But the D-backs are going to 
also have a quick hook with a, a Brandon Fott. Like we saw in game one, like they are going to make that a bullpen game. If Brandon Fott struggles through one inning, like they're going to keep him out there as long as he's pitching well. But the first sign of trouble, the first time he walks a batter that, you know, the, the third inning or whatever, Tori Lavelle is going to come out and they're going to put in either a Mantiplier or whoever, Callum Nelson. So I, I will also be on the lookout to see which starting pitcher lasts longer in this game because both of them, are, I think, are going to have super quick hooks in game three. That's it for this little crossover with Sully Baseball. Come back later on this feed. We'll have a full podcast where Miller Thomas breaking down the game some more, previewing game three, and talking about the D-backs by the numbers at home, and so much more on the next Locked On Dimebacks podcast you listen to.